Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello, and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I think we're in for a delightful episode. I'm looking forward to it very much. The topic tonight, the limitless soul, and our guest tonight is Bren Blankenship. We're going to bring Bren on in just a, a little while, but the, this, what I really like about this topic is it's kind of a glimpse into a much bigger um, view of who we are as a persona. I mean, um, so often we grow ourselves an ego and then we move in and, and we never move out and we only see our life through the perception of our ego. And uh, the the curious thing is the ego is, is in some ways it's the... Uh, lowest common denominator, if you will. The ego has such free will. I mean, um, our minds can bugger up anything we can imagine. And, and the, our higher self or, or even um, beings of unconditional love really step aside and let our free will. I mean, we have really fierce freedom. Our thought generators have no bridle on them at all. We can think of anything, we can manifest anything. But what I like about uh, the topic, uh, like the episode tonight is, who we really are. And, and one aspect that comes to mind is, is the continuity of our consciousness. The continuity of our consciousness, because many egos on this planet fear death fear the future. They have anxiety towards what might be. And they're afraid of, quote, dying, unquote. And that fear can really paralyze a persona, a person. And yet the ego has 0.0 say in the continuity of consciousness. Your ego cannot influence the continuity of your consciousness in the sense that your consciousness always, always, always continues on. Sure, your ego can terminate your life because of blatant stupidity like the Darwin Awards, but in truth, the, the essence of who you are is out of reach of our human intention, be it our own intention or in the intention of others. And I suggest this is really good news. This is really good news. We're Teflon in this environment. Nothing can stick to us for an eternal amount of time. Sure, we can load our psyche up with karma and trauma and and mangle our sense of self and bugger it up. Sure, we can do stupid human tricks and, and bring a lot of grief on ourselves. But our ego has zero say, no say whatsoever in the continuity of our consciousness. In other words, our ego cannot break ourselves. We cannot be broken through the intention of our ego. Now, now some people will consider that a challenge and think of new improved stupid human tricks. And now, okay, all right, fair enough. But in general, you're safe. You're safe. You're safe no matter what happens. In every breath that you take, relax. You're going to make it, period. Relax. It's going to work out, period. You're safe. Take a deep breath and relax into that truth. So, so let's hop to it. I want to, I want to jump into this material because I really like it. So um, the, the title of the show tonight is Limitless Soul, but the, 
The long title is The Limitless Soul Hypno-Regression Case Studies into Past, Present, and Future Lives, featuring numerous past life, afterlife, and future life case studies. The Limitless Soul is the name of Brand's new book. It invites you to explore the many aspects of a soul's existence. These narratives show that life is not a random series of events and they can be used to gain insight into your soul's future that future is guaranteed while exploring earthly lessons for your current incarnation. Bren uh, is the founder and director of the Braze Center located in North Carolina. She is a certified master hypnotherapist, international instructor and author. Using her hypno-regression technique, soul expression, spiritual regression, Bren explains how revisiting certain times in your soul's history can bring resolution to long-standing issues and shift energies, which would be reprogramming yourself, that affect your current life incarnation. How cool is that? This enlightening book carries universal messages and offers hands-on exercises, meditations, and practices for awakening your soul's guidance. With it, you'll discover your personal gift and a deeper understanding of your place in this world. Join me in welcoming Bren to the show. Bren, I'm so glad to have you on the show tonight. Oh, Les, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So you wrote a book about the limitless soul. When did you first brush up against uh, the notion of of your soul and your relationship to it? Well, even as a kid, I used to wonder, where do we come from? Why are we here? You know, if we have life everlasting, then how did we get here? And then we go on. And then as I got older, I... Um, um, started exploring a little bit with past lives. I had a past life session or two, and I actually used that to help me advance in my. I wanted to be an actress and was was doing that work and auditioning, and had a couple of past life sessions to help advance in my career and get past things that were holding me back. And I went into past lives and found information that was holding me back that had been carried over or that made things make more sense in my current life. And then I decided to explore that further and become a regressionist and actually do this work. And I love it. I love wow. doing this kind of work. You never know what's going to happen. So... So how long have you been immersed in this, um, should I say full-time or wholeheartedly or whatnot? Um, at this point, um, I've, I've been doing this work for about 19, 19, 20 years, 19 years, I guess. And, you know, I got into regression after I worked through some of my own issues and I found it so rewarding, I decided to become a regressionist and hypnotherapist so that I could help others move past whatever was holding them back. You know, where they were feeling limited or feeling small in their life, this was a way for me to help them help themselves and flip things around and and move beyond those things that were limiting. And, and so that, how that's is... in regard to current life as well as past life. Right. Well, how how has your perception of yourself as a soul evolved over those 19 years? Oh, well, I have to say that I can see and feel um, that intuitive hit that you get from the soul that's trying to just trying to direct you and help you with discernment. It's helped me with discernment and getting clarity in my own self and with choices and directions that I'm, I've taken, um, and it's given me more confidence 
It's helped me to um, to trust because there is a bigger plan. And and you summarized it so beautifully in the opening about how, um, as a soul, there's nothing that our ego can do that's going to um, to ultimately stop the soul. You know, right. the ego is in current life. It is with this body, this mind, these emotions. But the soul continues on. The soul will have experiences, and it influences the soul and what the soul will need next to to work with and experience. But um, we're safe no matter what, and we go back to our eternal home no matter what. Right. Well, I mean, you see so many people where their ego consumes all of their consciousness during the day. In other words, um, if their if their soul has some information for them, the ego doesn't leave a crack in the dialogue for any inspiration to come in. They stare at their phones all day. Even if they do get an inspirational hit, their ego will turn around and start um, quantifying and, and discounting and minimizing the inspiration. What, what uh, does a soul do to get our attention sometimes? I mean, um, you hear about people getting the cosmic two-by-four upside of the head. Yeah. Um, what, what have you noticed with these many years of, of working with the soul persona? Um, I mean, how does the soul get our attention when we're not paying it? Well, it can do lots of things. It can put people in our path. Um, For an example, when I would be in a place and be worried about something and thinking, oh, poor me, you know, this thing that's happening, it's so bad, it's so terrible, I would be driving to the grocery store and a homeless person would walk in front of me or a person on crutches and, you know, they're obviously dealing with something that's worse than whatever that I was imagining was so terrible. And that would get my attention because it would happen all the time. If I caught, if I found myself in that negative thinking, something would come along to show me that whatever I was worried about, things could always be worse. And so the soul can get your attention that way. Um, you can get sick. You know, if you don't pay attention to the little knocks that are coming your way to, to try to grab your attention and where we try to analyze away the information that's coming because it doesn't seem logical, yet we keep getting the the intuitive hit that we should go to this place or go do this thing, even though it it seems like it's not logical. When we follow it, often we find out that it it was exactly what we needed. It may not be the short path to get where we're going, but sometimes the long way is the short way. And, um, you know, the soul will put people in our path. If we don't pay attention, it'll make the situation a little bit worse and a little bit worse until it until you have to deal with it. You know, you might ignore something. And you know, if it's something physical, you could ignore it, and then it gets a little bit worse. And this, you're trying, the soul is trying to get through, and it's trying to get your attention, and you explain it away, and then it escalates the the condition to where you have to pay attention to it because you don't have the energy to to get out of bed or or do the things that you need to do because you've ignored the messages that were coming. And sometimes it can right. just be messages, thoughts that come to you that you ignore, and then you ignore until you have to you have to deal with it. Right. So um I I know you you talk about the the time in between lifetimes. So you 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 buy the farm, you you bite the dust, you die and then your and then your consciousness continues and Somewhere down the road, the temporal timeline, you reincarnate. And that time in between, there's a couple of things that go on. But um, to continue what we're kind of talking about here, 
some people can think of, well, you know, I, I was handed a, a, a bad hand of cards. I, I was born into this, you know, terrible situation. I was, I was, um, um, it, it's not fair to me because I grew up in such misery and heartache. Um, of course, I'm not expected to do anything. And, and what my question is, is poking at is, or, or how much how much effort our soul takes to choose to really hand pick the exact environment that we incarnate into, and um, we you and I were talking the other day. Um, I, I I grew up under a, a very intense, angry World War II vet, my father. And I could easily point my finger at him and, and say, well, look, look at this crap I've had to grow up with. T talk a little bit about um, how the soul chooses the environment that you incarnate into and some of the reasoning behind that. Yes. So, um, so what I would ask someone who is feeling that they've been dealt uh, a bad hand for this life I would ask them, what if, what if you chose this life? And they might look at me. And then I would say, you know, the soul and your spiritual team, they go through a lot to plan the life that you are living right now, to give you exactly what you need for this incarnation to help you work through whatever theme or issue that pattern that your soul has been working on for many lifetimes. And I know this from working with clients through thousands of session hours with clients on these topics where we take the client there to explore specifically for them those kinds of issues and what's been holding them back, what's been moving them forward. And um, when you can see the planning that goes into this, so you have this, we call it pre-birth planning. So you have a soul advisory council that's made up of uh, wise beings that are there to help you plan out your incarnations, and they have specialties. Some of them have specialties that are related to some of the special things that you're working on this time around. So like, um, just to use for you for an example, less um i would say that you probably you know without having put you in that state and to find out more you probably have uh, a guide or uh, oh, a council member actually that helps you with um hosting tv shows communicating with with the listeners and communications of many different sorts that you've probably worked in many different ways in this current life including other incarnations. And then you have your guides. So the Soul Advisory Council help us with pre-planning, and they help us, you know, with the bigger picture and planning out what's going to happen. And then you have your spiritual guides that help you with some of the day-to-day. -day. They're there getting your attention, nudging you. And then there's you, your soul aspect, your soul part, that's in the spirit world that, you know, sat in on those meetings and planned out what was going to happen. And sometimes I had one client describe it as a, a planet, I believe it's called a plenary session where you, you sit around and you hash out what's going to happen, you, but how, you, how it's going to happen, um, you leave yourself some different options for when you get there. But you know you're going to cover these topics and you're going to have these experiences but we'll give you a little leeway as to how you're going to do that when you get there. And that's what I mean by sometimes the short way is the long Sometimes the long way is the short way. But the soul has those, those connections, and then we incarnate, and we're still in touch back and forth with the other side while we're gestating, while we're in that developing body before birth. And then we still have the ability when we're young but we're learning to communicate. We're learning to be more here 
physically present on this planet. So some of that communication goes away as we're learning to use words and talk, you know, grow up, go to elementary school and all those things that we're doing. Right. So those are the kinds of things that happen. Um, but clients, so many clients, and not just mine, but others that do past lives, their clients have described these kinds of things that are taking place um, when they go back to to those li- other lifetimes or even in the pre-birth planning. Right. So do you have uh, examples in your own life of um, perhaps you had an aha moment when you saw a relationship with somebody or a, a challenging situation that had been ongoing? I mean, can you share examples of of your own discovery of of your soul's intentions? Well, um, the first thing that comes to mind is when I was acting. At first I had the traditional job, and I was working that job, and, and I was enjoying it. There was had always been this part of me that wanted to be the actress, wanted to go and, and do that kind of work, and I didn't, you know, at first I didn't know how to get involved in that, where to go to do that. And as I got older, I figured it out. So I worked my day job, and then I did this at night and on the weekends. And, you know, I really studied and really put myself into that. And then it was time to make a decision. Did I want to do this traditional job, or did I want to put myself out there and see what would happen doing what I felt it was a burning desire within me. It wasn't just a wishful thinking. It was a burning desire. However, there was that fear of letting go of what was known. You know, I could see the path laid out. If I stayed where I was at, I was good at what I was doing. If I just continued along that path, it would have been a lot smoother. But this other part of me was really pulling me. So I made the decision to leave that job and follow the acting. I knew other people were doing it. I studied with them, hung out with them. You know, that I shifted into that field. Then it was time to take it to the next level. I wanted to work more. I, I didn't want to have to even have that part-time job or that in-between job, in-between roles. So I went to a hypnotherapist, a regressionist, and I explored a couple of past lives and cleared some things that were holding me back. Um, had a past life um, as a singer, an opera singer, really successful, doing really well. Had a couple of others, not so successful. And um, one as an artist where I died in London, penniless and on the street. Like I had the skill, but I didn't have the business sense. Nobody ever taught me that in that past life. So I knew how to do art, but I didn't know what to do with it and how to take care of myself. So those were the things that had been holding me back. And um, I was able to move further into the field of acting, and I had a session that revealed to me some things that um, were coming up or potentials. And um, I don't. I guess. We, I guess we have time to go ahead and go into it. I saw myself yeah. standing in this prairie grass, and as I was standing in the prairie grass, um, there was an orchard and trees, and um, there were these apple trees. And I'm walking through the orchard, picking apples off the trees, just having my pick. And I felt so expansive and opened up and happy and joyful. This is all happening in the, the session. And it was supposed to be a past life, but it threw me into a future pro- progression. And I knew that those um, apples were metaphorical apples, and I knew that I was having my pick. And guides were there talking with me, telling me, you need to go do this. This is an opportunity. And they said, you're going to go out for one thing, but you're going to come back with another. So after that session, I had a lot to think about. I still didn't know what all of it meant. I was trying to sort it out and integrate the details. And my friend called me up, who had gone out to L.A. five years before. She called me up and she said, Bryn, you need to come out here. If you don't come out here, you're going to, you know, you need to. You're going to do really well out here. So I had a place to stay. 
I got things lined up, and then fear set in, and I almost didn't go. And, I mean, this I had everything lined up. There was no reason. I quit my part-time job. It was time. It was time for me to go, and I, I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And someone here very close to me sat me down and said, look, if you don't go, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. You need to do this. Why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you torturing yourself? You should go do this. And so I sat down and have a, had a conversation with myself and worked it out, packed up my suitcase, got in my car, drove out there, and joined an acting class, which someone had told me about on the way before I got out there, and it just happened to be right down the block, a couple of blocks down from where I was living. So I would go to acting class. Someone saw me told their agent, she called me in, hired me on the spot, and then I was auditioning several times a day. I mean, I was <laughs> I was in heaven. <laughs> I'm getting to audition. I have people that are interested in what I do because I like to play the quirky characters, and there I was. And I started booking work. I did a lot of commercials and some, a little bit of film, a little bit of TV, I mean small parts, and um, but I did the quirky commercials. And one time, I was on location in the grapevine north of L.A., standing out there, got my trailer with my name on the door, got a star, feeling really good about myself, and standing there in my sandals, my Birkenstock sandals, someone walked up and said, hey, you need to be careful because there could be snakes in this grass. And um, I looked down at my feet, looked up, there were rolling hills in front of me. There were trees we were filming under one of those trees. And I had this deja vu moment back into the session that I'd had about a year before. It took a year for all right. of this to manifest. And there it was. And the only difference from the vision that I saw before I was standing in it was that the trees didn't, were not apple trees and there were no apples there. But I was... Right. having my pick, and I knew what all of that meant. It just came full circle to me, and it all made sense. And then after that, that's when I decided, you know, if I could do all of this for myself, what could I do for other people and help them find that needle in a haystack, get through their issues? So I stayed out there a couple of years, and then I studied hypnosis and then took it further um, when I got back home. Wow, nice. So I really did go well, out for one thing and came back with another. I liked uh, in that example how the people around you were were feeding you soul information. Yes. So you're wringing your hands and deciding, having second thoughts about leaving, and a friend comes and nods on your ear saying, you know, get your butt out the door. And that's your soul I mean, it's a persona conveying the message of your soul that you need to go there. And then and then you go and and uh, somebody tells you, well, there's an acting thing right down the road. I mean, it, it's kind of funny how we hear through strangers and friends the intentions of our <laughs> of our soul. You know, it's it's kind of a curious thing. Exactly. Speaking and you of, think you're saying no, I'm not going to do that. But I wasn't going to be let off the hook that easy. Sure. <laughs> you know, because my friends came forward, my partner came forward and said, look, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right. Why aren't you going to do this? <laughs> you can buffalo you, but you can't buffalo me. Now get your ass out the door. <laughs> Something like that. Well, um, okay, so what about... Um, Soul mates, the notion of a soul mate. I mean, some people think that there's only one soul mate for them, and if it doesn't work out, they they um, there's some problem or whatever. How do you perceive the notion of a soul mate in a relationship uh, sort of way? Well, it's been my experience through my client sessions that we have one primary soulmate. Okay. However, that soulmate, that that soul that was sparked at the same time as you, 
They may be a romantic partner this time around. They could be a child, your child, another time around. You could be the child. They could be your parent. You know, you have all these different dynamics that you play. But you also have other souls who are pri- are very key players that you've had incarnations with before. Maybe they come back around again to be your partner this time. They may not be your primary soulmate, but they are a very important person in your life. And there are also times where your soulmate sits one out. Your soulmate may not incarnate because there are lessons to be learned by you incarnating without them. You know, in the book, um, I have a story about this. Um, I have a story about um, these, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the title, um, where there are several, there were the two soulmates, and then the, the third one, they were all part of the same soul group. And two of them are twins, and also there is the, um, the, the friend and the boyfriend that um, they incarnate together all the time. And this, the two um, incarnate, they learn lessons, they experience um, all kinds of experiences together, which I talk about in the book. Um, and it explains about soul groups and parallel lives but there are times where you don't all you don't both incarnate. So um, Elsa, John, and Elsa's twin Natalie are cosmically connected. And um, in for an example of how soulmates may be working on lessons together, um, you know Elsa was my client that came in and experienced several past lives using sign language. So in one, she was a teacher of a deaf school. In another, she was hiding children in the attic in Poland during um, the war so that the soldiers outside wouldn't hear them. And she was a teacher, so she would go to school and then come back and feed the children and take care of them. She had to sneak the food past the soldiers waiting on the corner. She had to teach the children sign language so that they could communicate without speaking out loud. And then we, we uncovered another past life of hers as a cave woman, where she communicated with her hands and not words. Um, but she also had these other players. So Elsa lived those lives, and then John was in those lives. He also taught at the deaf school. Um, he and, and then Elsa was there as the sister. She wasn't a twin. But in that lifetime with the um, the soldiers, she was an actress in England and sent money over to help um, sponsor all of this so that Elsa could do this. And um, But then there was another time that they were mother and daughter together. And then there was a time they were um, siblings. But this is the first incarnation that they've been twins to experience. But... John and Elsa are the actual soulmates, and then John has been there, but other times he he helps guide them, you know, inter- interacting with them from the other side and not in a body. Right, eating spiritual popcorn, watching the drama play out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> right. Is, is she going to get it this time? You know, in my in my own life, uh, I didn't have a, a spiritual inkling in my uh, of my life path, and I was working in broadcast TV, and uh, I had a boss, and he was three things uh, perceptually. He was evil. He was malicious. He's a real sob. But then I realized. No, wait a minute. This guy—he's my angel. I've—he—he had—he has to have been one of the biggest soul contracts I had in my life, because he morally bitch slapped me every day for a decade, and he pushed me into my own um, um, unresolved crap in my psyche. 
that I wasn't aware of. And the cosmic two by four came about because of his, he was such a diligent SOB. I'm, I'm so proud of him. He was so relentless. <laughs> he, he didn't let up a minute for a decade. And I realized I, I had a huge soul contract with this guy, probably comparable to um, my spouse or, I mean, it was just, it was just a, a, a decisive event to, inter, to, to come into the, the dialogue we played out over a decade. And yeah. before I realized that, I mean, now I see him as a very powerful person in my life. And, and the people who shared that journey with me, they all call him an SOB. And I call him my flippin' hero because he cracked me open. <laughs> <laughs> because so, it took so it's something not, like that to to help open you up, right? Well, I, li- I lined it up with him. Well, why don't we go down and you can just, you know, get a – be relentlessly, you know, diligent, which he was. He was I'm, – I'm so proud of his diligence of being such a uh, – <laughs> He's he very thorough. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, and so so now we've got about 20 minutes left. I want to I want to turn the lens on on your platform. Now, for example, you have the um you've developed some processes of your own and mm-hmm. some per- perceptions of your own introduce us to them and and give us an outline of what makes your um, approach to this material uniquely yours. Well, so I was doing past life sessions, and so let me explain that this type of work that I do is transpersonal hypnotherapy. You know, there's a whole field of transpersonal hypnotherapists, and we... We guide the clients into a deeper state, and then the, knowing that the client's answers lie within them. So it's not that we tell the client what their problem is, how to fix it, all of that. No. We take them into a deeper state. They're guiding themselves. We're leading them as they go under. And then in that deeper state, they can see more clearly where the issue is and how to create the shift. So with my work doing past lives, I learned about, um, I was working with Roger Wolger, who did a lot of work with ancestral work and working with the subtle energy bodies, stored memory patterns in the body, and how to transform um, longstanding beliefs and issues so that the client could get relief. But then I learned about Michael Newton. And he is a pioneer in the field of regression, specifically life between lives regression. And he gave us insight into pre-birth planning prior to incarnations and the map of the spirit world and, you know, that we have activity and there's a lot of things. We have jobs when we go back to the spirit world. We have specialties that we do there. And so I, I was doing that work. And with each client, my sessions started changing, and they started getting away from what I had been taught with Michael Newton um, and that technique and kind of moving into this other area. And then I've also studied with Brian Weiss, and, you know, he's known for his past life therapeutic work. So as my sessions started shifting, clients started going to these other spaces in the spirit world and, and not going to some of the traditional places that I could have led them to. And as they were doing this, um, I developed what I call SESR, Soul Expression Spiritual Regression. And SESR is an acronym for ASSESSOR. It offers the client an assessment or review of their current life, and it also allows the magnification of their soul and their current mind and body. So with SESR, they're accessing the soul level of the mind to identify and review the past and the future simultaneously. And they're doing this from the perspective of current life, 
but also with direct guidance from their soul and spiritual team to help find and follow their soul's guidance. They're breaking through, they're identifying and then breaking through negative patterns through all of these incarnations where they're working on themes. And this is helping the client to move through issues more quickly because it's giving them direct access to themselves. It's helping awaken them to the truth that they already know about themselves, but we're bringing that awareness into this conscious state in this conscious, in this physical body that we're in now. And so to do that, it's, it's hypnosis, it's regression work, but it's also an energy exchange. It's bringing energy work into this work. And it's helping the client to uncover mysteries of their soul through their soul's many, many incarnations and where they are now. And it's really powerful. I mean, lots of issues can be resolved. Um, They can be given insights, greater understanding. They can understand why things are the way they are and then shift those pieces of that pattern that can be shifted. And it's important to know, too, that Earth is the emotional planet and that, you know, managing your emotions is half the battle here. And so when you can get that and understand that you are loved and that you're not alone, you're not being punished by the life that you have, you're being given a gift to work through things that are going to help your soul evolve in advance by experiencing all the things that you're experiencing and had experienced. So that's that's it in a nutshell what this is. And and you're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. You are here on purpose for a purpose. And all souls are part of that divine plan. There's not one soul on this planet that's not part of that plan. Right. Well, wow, I like that. Well, so as you're speaking, I'm listening to what you're saying. And, you know, I'm no spectrologist, but it it seems like some of the um, some of the work um, as far as healing our past and or future, I mean, you're talking about this process of of that that deeper connection. It seems like some of the healing has to be done in flesh and bones. In other words, we have to incarnate to a body. We have to. Uh, grow ourselves and they go water it every day, feed it crap and whatnot. We become aware in our body and then we start doing these processes. And in the flesh, in the flesh, in these sessions, we then from the flesh and bones go into the spiritual perspective. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that greater uh, vantage point, if you will, and, I mean, we could have done that when we were closer to the soul without bodies. It's almost like um, we have to accomplish everything through flesh and bones. Does that make sense? We do. Yes. So we plan it out, talk about it, and then we say, hey, why don't we go down there and try this? <laughs> Let's see how that works. <laughs> and, you, know, for... you know, our soul is in on that. Our soul <laughs> is saying, hey, I'm feeling really energetic. I'm going to take on this and this and this and that. And your your soul advisory team is there saying, look, maybe pull back a little bit. Are you sure you can take all that on? Oh, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this this time because I didn't do it the other time. And then we get down there and then we're like, whoa, what have I signed up for? You know, and then there are other times <laughs> where we're being lazy, where we're like, you know, sure. I'm going to take an easy one this time. And they say, are you sure about that? But we have the free will. We have the choice because we are the ones coming down. But we we talk about it there, and then we come down to experience it and implement it. And then we die, and then we go back up and get some feedback and provide feedback and then tweak things and adjust things. And we come back and, and do things another way or a better way and try to improve, constantly trying to improve as we're evolving, you know, when things go off track. You know, because that eternal being, as an eternal being, your soul has the knowledge and wisdom of all of the incarnations that are available. But when we incarnate, 
We don't. We have we have access to what we're going to need for this incarnation. It's it's given to us in our birthday suit when we're born, that invisible suit that you're born with that has the experiences, the gifts, the abilities, the people, the connections to the people that you're going to meet and run into. That's given to us as we're being born, and then it's at, let's say it's activated, so to speak, at that time that you're going to need those things. But you don't have knowledge of all of your lifetimes when you're just out there walking around because you don't need all that. You need what you're working on now. I mean, think about it. If you think about everything that you've ever experienced, because your mind, you know, and your soul, but your mind records everything that's happening to you in this lifetime. And then let your soul take all those recordings from all of those incarnations. If you were walking around with all those thoughts in the forefront of your mind at all times, that would be a little chaotic. It's already bad enough just from what we what we have from this incarnation. And so <laughs> you're in there and your your soul is offering guidance and clarity to the human that you are and um it's to help us improve it's to help us be better as the individual that we are and then it's our role to pay attention to learn to pay attention to that guidance that's coming through and the ways that it comes through and then follow it to save yourself a lot of time you can save yourself so much time when you can get clear on what direction what you need to do what you need to spend your time your energy on you know that's their role is to is to implement the soul's guidance here in this human form. Right. Well, I. It's a partnership. I, I think this this lifetime, the these decades, should I say, these decades are a very powerful dynamic of of raw metamorphosis. I mean, the collective consciousness. If you go back not that many decades, I mean, the 50s was like a broken record player. I mean, it was monotone. There was, uh, they had, it, it's like Pleasantville. They had such a sterile view of of uh, personification of a human being. And then you come into the turmoil. It's like we had calm seas for a while. And, and now if you look at the dynamic, the, the collective is a tempest of sorts. There's so much upheaval within our collective subconscious. I think that our soul saw the dynamic of what was going to be unfolding during this incarnation and said, holy cow, look at the opportunities for, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and to the human side of us, we look at and go, holy crap, you know, karmic cleanup aisle five. And uh, it's uh it's uh it it can be a bit daunting to our to our um western minds if all we do is is judge reality by by what our eyes and ears show us but there's such a, a much bigger dynamic unfolding that i think our souls chose very powerful life paths for us and yes um and you know this is coming from this is not coming from the head this is coming from that deeper part of yourself that's where the shift takes place in the heart when the heart and head are working together and not just all off into the head things shift and souls you know I talk about this in the book um one of the guides was coming through explaining how souls are placed throughout history to create the shifts that need to take place they're strategically placed all over the world to help the shifts. And we're in those, yeah. you know, we go through those layers of consciousness shifts and we're in one right now. But people are are more able to access this deeper part of themselves because more people, more souls have evolved to the point where they're able. Right. And that's global. I, I, work, I work with clients around the world. You know, people have flown in to have sessions with me. And... You know, they're from other countries, and English may not be their first language, but all of the souls that I'm working all the clients that I've worked with are all saying the same kinds of things 
when they're in that deeper state and connecting to soul and, sure. and connecting yeah. to that soul's guidance. And it's about improving your relationship with yourself. As you're improving the rela- relationship with yourself, you're a better human being when you go out into the world and interact with others. And then that spreads, and it spreads to your children and your partner and the people you work with and the person in the grocery store that you you know, you meet. And it just, you can lift them up or you can bring them down. It's how, it's how you want to interact with others. And, and like you sure. were mentioning earlier, the experiences that you've had can either take you on a path where you're going to create that same negative pattern or you can decide, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to not be that way because I know what that looks like and I, I don't want to be like that. Right. Well, you know, it's a sense I get. I get a very clear hit that um, the 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 mainstream media has such polarizing perspectives about all kinds of issues, uh, climate change, racism, blah, 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 pick one, pick them all. And I see these egos getting festered up in these um, issues that the media sits there and, and beats the drum about. And I know that a whole uh, bunch of the people that are um, mentally in their ego engaged in this polarization dialogue crap. Um, and I know it's not their life purpose to come down here and, and, and mud wrestle in linguistics about something that, that's not their dominion. There's really big-ass uh, deities that handle planets. I mean, sure, we shouldn't pollute and whatnot, but a lot of the of what's happening on the earth is spot on, and it's not humanity. If it was our ego's job to maintain the earth, it would have crashed and burned a long time ago, I promise. <laughs> and well, and the, only point, the only point I'm getting at is if they would just uh, – tune into them, their, their soul's inspiration, they'd take a hard left or a hard right and go do something completely different that's more in alignment with right. their life purpose. But their ego can get all festered up in this um, mental, you know, sword fight. And it's just, it, that's part of the learning process, I guess. Well, I was going to say, what if at this stage, they volunteered to come in and play that role so that we could see that, to see what not to do, to see what happens when the ego gets caught up. And then, you know, they also do have the opportunity to not be pure ego and to move more into a more spiritual approach to life and to make some shifts and changes in those arenas that they work in. But that's a a choice. And... You know, you have free will when you get down here, and often you come in thinking, I'm going to make a change, and then you get caught up in the system that you're trying to change. But they are playing those roles, showing us, and then we have a choice. Do we want to be like that, or can we see through all of that and make a different choice? So I I like to step back from all that and not get sucked into it. Because, you know, if you get caught up in it, you can get angry, too, or worried or, you know, a lot of misinformation. Well, uh, Bren, an hour can go by pretty fast. I want to make sure we um, let the audience know how they can work with you. So, I mean, tell us, like, uh, is it always in person? Do you work in groups? Do you work over the Internet? Is it one-on-one? Do you... I mean, tell the audience how they can connect with you. Um, I, I, wor- I prefer to work one-on-one. Um, there's just something that happens with the client sitting across from me. There's an energy bubble that takes place that it's, I, I like to work with because the client gets so much more from that. Um, I don't typically work over the Internet just because I don't want to sit in front of the computer for that long 
in this opened up state. Um, but um, um, I, and I also teach hypnosis. I teach hypno sort of hypno skill sets and hypno regression certification courses. So in that situation, I am working with more you know with groups and larger groups of people. Um, it, my website is brynblankenship.com, B-R-Y-N-B-L-A-N-K-I-N-S-H-I-P.com, and you can reach me through there. And um, and in the book, The Limitless Soul. And with each chapter, those are actual client case studies. They're taken from the transcripts of the session and the client's words, and then condensed down because there's so many hours of session time that I worked with each client, you know, it would be hard to sit and read a long transcript. And there are a lot of pauses and quiet times, but we've condensed that down into just, you know, a smaller version of it with all the key information there. And then at the end of each chapter, there are exercises for the reader to 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 begin to connect to their own soul and to learn to discern when is my soul speaking to me? How is the soul coming through? What is that voice that I hear or that feeling that I get or that light that lights up inside me when I'm making the right choice? Those are the ways that the soul communicates. And then it's our role so, to follow our soul's guidance, to, to so identify like, it and then follow it. So if you like working in person, where your person is would be good to know. Um, where are you located? Oh. I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina, and it's by appointment only. Please don't just show up, but <laughs> but because um, we may, you know, there are others here at the center, and we are probably in session with a client. But um, I, I work one on one with people, and and we're here at the beach. So a lot of times afterwards, a client will will go to the beach to unwind and walk, and maybe see a dolphin or two, and go jump in the ocean and just kind of recharge, physically recharge, emotionally recharge, and just integrate everything that happened in the session. Oh, very nice. Well, we have about a minute left. Do you have any closing thoughts for us? Well, I just want to reiterate um, something that I mentioned before, that you are here by design, not by accident. You had a part in that planning of you getting here. You're not alone. You are loved. And you are here on purpose with a purpose. And all souls are part of that divine plan. There's a reason that you're here. And if you were not here, it would affect all the other people in your life, and it might affect what they're here to do if you weren't here to play your role to help them along. Even when you don't think you're helping, your presence here is helping and needed. Your energy is needed. Well, very nice. Bren, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I've had such a delightful conversation with you. Oh, Les, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate this. This has been great. Thanks. We've been talking to Brand Blankenship, and the topic tonight has been the limitless soul. Remember what I was talking about to begin with, the continuity of your consciousness? You're safe. You're safe. Oh, my God. Take a deep breath and relax into that. So many people have so much anxiousness about the future. They have so much anxiousness about what might or might not play out on this planet. Um, I, I want to thank uh, Bran so much. The Limitless Soul is the name of her new book. Um, what a delightful perspective of this human experience. Hey, I'm your host, Les Jensen. It's my personal pleasure and probably my sole purpose to uh, bring you episodes like this where you can discover a deeper truth about yourself. You can discover uh, uh, and really an endless source of power that is indeed your own, your own self, your own consciousness, an endless stream of inspiration. Hey, thanks for joining us. You, you spent the episode with us, and I appreciate that. Until next time.
This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.